It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So you've decided 2023 is the year you're going to start investing into a stocks and shares ISA. That's an account that will help you save tax as you invest. That's what finance-savvy Money Clinic listener, who's going by the name Henrietta, has resolved to do. Until she got stuck. When it actually came to crunch time, I became really, really overwhelmed and quickly became kind of quite tangled up in quite a lot of jargon. Which is why Henrietta got in touch with us. I thought, no, I can't just be me struggling with this. I'm going to to reach out to clear and actually to say (laughs) what on earth is going on. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. Today's episode is a one-stop guide to investing using stocks and shares ISAs, a tax-efficient and flexible solution for your long-term investments. But as ever, the topics we're going to discuss in this episode are intended to deepen your understanding of ISAs. Nothing I or the experts have to say is intended as an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. I cannot stress enough, you need to do your own research. Before we hear from our experts today, let's get some more detail from 30-year-old Henrietta. She's originally from South Africa, but she now lives and works in the UK. And I was really glad to hear that before she even starts investing, she's got a lot of the basics right. Having done some research, I set up an emergency fund and you know set up my retirement and then saved up a tidy sum to sort of put to work. Henrietta's already paying the max into her workplace pension, ensuring she gets the most free money from her employer's matched contributions. And she's confident that she can comfortably spare a few hundred pounds to invest in a stocks and shares ISA every month. And she's prepared to lock up this money. I'm aware that at 30, I have a bit of time. I can take a bit of risk. Uh, I can take a bit of the fluctuation that comes with investing in the stock market. And I'm aware that taking a higher risk also comes with getting a higher return. So far, so good. But what's holding Henrietta back is choosing the best place to open a Stocks and Shares ISA account. A bank, an online platform, a fund house, or even a trading app. It's a bit of a monkey puzzle, and the right option for you will depend on how much you have to invest, the kind of things that you might want to invest in, and most importantly, your goals. So what are Henrietta's? 
So putting stuff away for a home and and possibly a, a holiday and possibly some renovations to that home when it comes to it. And, you know, also just being a little bit flexible with it because, as you say, life happens. Yeah, I might need a car. I might need something expensive down the line. Henrietta says she wants maximum flexibility with her investments, but she's also very conscious of investment fees. I did quite a lot of kind of nitty-gritty research, and I'm finding a lot of ISA offers are saying, shift across to us and get a cash back, or this or that. But what I'm really interested in is the numbers, the fees, the fee structures, the platform, you know, how much it's going to charge to hold the money on the platform, how much it's going to charge annually, how much each of the funds are going to charge. It's so complex that it's easy to tempt with a, you know, hundred pound cashback if you do this. But at the end of the day, you might end up losing all of that to just to a fee structure. So I would say I'm a little bit suspicious. Henrietta also knows that the fees on some funds are more expensive than others. I think there's quite a strong likelihood that the fees that come with actively managed funds are ultimately going to kind of eat into any of the amounts that you've made with an active fund, if that makes sense. That's why Henrietta is looking at cheaper passive funds, also known as index trackers. But that's not the only reason she's drawn to passive investing. I can't go around picking investments, you know, the next big thing, the thing that's going to beat the market because firstly don't have the time and secondly don't have the know-how so it would just be akin to a kind of gambling for me. Another thing Henrietta's prepared to invest in is spending some time learning more about investing so she also wants to pick a platform that could grow with her level of confidence over time. That is the plan to start with a passive and then see how the confidence grows and maybe with a bit of research and a bit more understanding maybe a bit more kind of active management might come into that. So let's sum up what Henrietta would like to ask our podcast experts. What is the best ISA for passive investing? How does one go about choosing an ISA that is best for one's investment strategy in terms of fees? And how can I build a portfolio of different passive funds? Lots of very sensible questions from Henrietta for our two investment experts who join me now in the FT studio. Moira O'Neill, the FT's personal finance writer and columnist who's better known online as Moira on Money. Welcome. It's great to be back. And Jason Butler, an FT columnist and podcast regular who's better known online as JB the Wealthman. I always love being in this recording studio. Well, we love having you both here. So let's talk about your first impressions. You heard about what Henrietta had to say. Moira, do you think many people who are new to investing share the same kind of concerns? Definitely. She is not alone. It seems really confusing. There's a myriad of choices. You can get yourself tied up in knots with trying to do all the research you possibly can before you actually start. And I think that's why people end up delaying, particularly women. They want to feel confident. They want to have done the research before they put their money into anything. And you can end up delaying a year. Um, While you do that research, it's probably better to go with your gut instincts and get started. She's got some really healthy gut instincts there, Henrietta. She's, um, she's, she's identified passive. She's identified cutting her fees. Um, she's already contributing to her workplace pension and she's got some, a sensible amount to put aside every month. And I think she needs to 
bite the bullets and go for it and learn as she goes along. And Jason, what did you think listening to Henrietta? Well, I love the fact that she's been so intentional. She's being conscious about this. She's being proactive. So absolutely, that is the most important thing, you know, that she's really thinking this through. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think, uh, and you do tend to see this with women more than men, the the, um, sort of propensity to procrastinate, you know, to want it all to be perfectly lined up because they're worried about doing the wrong thing. So my advice is, look, whatever you do at £200 a month is never going to kill you if you get it wrong, okay? So start and get better later. That's the first thing. Well, good to hear that your your first impressions of of Henrietta are favourable. But let's start with the basics, because while she's done a lot of research, there might be listeners um, thinking, well, I haven't got that far ahead. Back to basics with ISAs. What advantages do stocks and shares ISAs offer? And how can they fit with your broader financial plan? Moira? Well, I mean, stocks and shares ISAs are the ultimate flexible investment, really. They've got tax advantages that help your money grow. And you can also access the money at any time if you should want to. Now, that's not saying you should. Um, If you're going to start investing in a stocks and shares ISA, you should be prepared to lock it away for at least five years, I would say. But, you know, worst case scenario, you really need a lump sum for something or other and you need to get your money out. You can. It's unlike a pension where the money is really locked away until um, close to retirement age and, you know, you really can't get your money out of a pension. So lots of people tend to use them together. They they mix and match their pensions alongside ISAs and give themselves, you know, loads of tax advantages along alongside a bit of flexibility. Mm. So, Jason, back to basics with the tax advantages of ISAs. Tell us why they are a good thing. Well, essentially, if you receive interest uh, on bonds or dividends on equity funds, then you will pay no additional tax. And with savings and dividends allowances getting smaller and smaller over the coming years, that's going to become more important, particularly as you build your wealth over the coming years. Thanks for explaining those benefits, Jason. But as with everything, you can't have too much of a, of a good thing. There are limits to how much you can pay in every year to your ISA. Well, there are limits to what you can put in, which is £20,000 a year. So pretty across, generous. Across all the different types of ISA of which stocks and shares is is the main one. But the beauty is, is that there is no current limit to what you can hold in an ISA. So if your investments are successful uh, and you keep accruing them and keep adding to them, then that's yours to keep. Where you choose to open your stocks and shares ISA depends on how much hand-holding you might need with your investment decisions. The quickest way to get started are the so-called robo-advisors. They're digitally driven solutions where you'll answer a risk questionnaire and then be assigned a purpose-built portfolio that you can manage on an app. If you're prepared to put in more of your own research, then there are online platforms where you can pick your own investments, including some operated by high street banks. Plus, some trading apps offer investors the ability to hold their money within an ISA structure. Moira and Jason... How can new investors like Henrietta begin to narrow down these options? Okay, so lots of investment platforms give choices for people like Henrietta. So they have starter fund recommendations and you don't have to be a customer of those platforms to read about the recommendations. So I suggest she goes and 
Google's, you know, starter funds, gets a few recommendations together, and and she she's already seemed set on passive investing, so there'll there'll be something on offer for her, I'm sure. Um, the other thing she could do if she really wanted to do would be go to go to like an online robo wealth manager, which would help her put into her circumstances and give some recommendations for her. Um, the fees can be a little bit more. Um, but she might have some comfort there that she's been given sort of a bit more of an extra guidance journey. Um, but I think she seems perfectly capable of making those choices herself, um, from what I've heard. And I would say, you know, go for it. There's nothing wrong with choosing a, a global passive um, investment and just picking one to start with and then researching a few more and adding them in as she goes along. I mean, Jason, what would what would you add to that? I mean, your advice to Henrietta is obviously get started. <laughs> Don't waste any more time um, doing your research. But clearly she knows she has to be diversified. We've had some guests on Money Clinic before who've put lots of money into a single stock like Tesla and have come a cropper. So her instincts are right. But what more would you add to other new investors? Yeah, I think keep it really simple to start with. Okay, so if you've got £200 a month, then my view would be, and this is not a recommendation, but this is the benchmark for which you should compare all solutions. So you look at Vanguard's life strategy range, and they've got a range of funds that go from 20% of equities all the way to 100% of equities. They cost about 22 basis points, so that's a, a, just over a fifth of a percent. So the, the, the point is not to say that you should use that and they're the best, but they are your benchmark. That's the no-brainer portfolio, which is global, and you can decide how much you allocation between bonds and equities. Now, you've got to remember that if they've got a shiny app and or if they do active management, it's going to cost you more money for the convenience. Mm. Uh, the cheap, you know, Vanguard, for instance, charges you 0.15 for their platform to buy only their funds, which includes life strategy. But many other providers that give you more choice, so the Hargreaves Landsons, AJ Bells, the interactive investors, they either charge a flat a sort of platform fee of about 120 quid a year, or they charge you up to 0.45% per annum for the, for the benefit of having a shiny sort of app and more choice. So if you're comfortable, your starting point is, okay, why would I not buy the, say, the life strategy? Um, and there may be good reasons for that. You might want, for instance, ethical, ESG, environmental social governance fund, or it might be that what you're looking for is a fund that's you know, got a lot more bonds in it, a lot less equities than perhaps you can get from other sources. So I think the point is, is costs are important but remember the more shiny the app and the more the decisions they're making about your investments then the more it's going to cost you so with all of these choices to make about the type of isa platform you'll use deciding what to actually invest your money in almost feels like an afterthought but henrietta is very drawn to the simplicity of passive funds but also automating a regular investment every month. That's something she's prepared to commit to. Moira, what do you have to say about the potential pros and cons of a, of a strategy like that? It's a brilliant way to invest. Um, putting regular amounts aside every month means that you're actually going to be buying more when stock markets fall and less when they rise. And that can work out really well to your advantage. So over time, um, you can actually do better than you would if you just put in a lump sum. Um, so I think, yeah, go for that. It's also um, a great way psychologically of handling investing because um, it, it sort of, you're, you're sort of paying yourself first. Um, you're making sure it goes in regularly. You're not, you're not worrying about whether it's a good time to 
be investing this month or not. And you, you, you might read the news and get worried and think it's not if you're putting in lump, lump sums. So I think it's a great discipline. Um, and she will just gradually see, hopefully, her funds build up over time and benefit from a, from a bit of compounding too as they grow. So good for her. Go for, go for regular investing. Highly recommended. Now, I have said somewhat controversially in an FT article before that there should be leaflets in boxes of Tampax um, extolling the virtues of regular monthly investment to women, especially, who often think... I'll save up, I'll save up, I'll save up. Now I've got enough money to become an investor. I'll put in a lump sum, then the market falls. And um, we often think, cripes, but actually doing it every month for me as an investor, I find um, is, like you say, more a massive psychological boost um, rather than putting in one big lump sum and worrying about it rising or falling. But Jason, we've talked a lot about using passive funds and I can certainly see the appeal um, to, to investors, but are there... Are there any downsides to to using them? Well, you're guaranteeing that you will never get more than the market return. Mm. Okay? So that's the downside, as some people would see it. So the most important thing that's going to affect most young people's investment returns is, yes, even if you bought the most expensive, rubbish, active equity fund, let's say you're going to put your money in equities compared to the lowest cost, say, passive, or even the best active with hindsight, the thing that's going to make the biggest difference for the next 10 or 15 years to you is not those investment returns or even the charges. They will make a, a difference in the long run. But the biggest thing is what we call contribution effects. So when you are building your wealth, let's say you've got nothing and you put 200 quid a month thing, the single biggest thing that's going to increase the value of your portfolio next month is how much you will contribute and the next month and the next month. So focus on how much you can um, invest. So when you get to a party or you go on a date with someone, don't ask how much they earn. Say, how much do you save and invest each month? I wonder what my husband would have said if I asked him that on our first date. <laughs> I don't think he was saving anything at the time. My, my wife said to me, um, I made her laugh when I first met her, This uh, and, and she said I had potential, but I certainly was not saving or investing any pennies. <laughs> Oh, How about you, Moira? Um, I would never have dared ask that to my husband when I first met him because he was unemployed. <laughs> but, um, but no, um, yeah, it's, it's a great question to ask. Very good. Well, yeah. well, podcast listeners, if any of you dare to ask that question on your on your next date, then let us know how it went. Now, when you buy a passive fund, you might be making one investment, but you'll be gaining exposure to hundreds, perhaps thousands of different stocks in the index that that passive fund tracks. But nevertheless, Henrietta did have some questions, Jason, about how to make sure she is properly diversified using passive funds. Should she buy just one or should she try to build up a portfolio? And if so, how should she go about looking at that question? I think while she's starting out, as long as she uses a UK authorised fund, which is what all the retail funds should be and doesn't use anything like, you know, overseas fund from some offshore organisation, if she uses a UK authorised fund and it's a global equity index fund with or without global bonds, then she'll be getting exposure to several thousand companies. That's enough diversification. Um, I don't think you need to have lots of different, you know, 50 quid a month into this company, 50 quid into it, because all you're doing is duplicating the complexity and it's more, it's harder to sort of follow that and you're probably going to have to pay a bit more on platform fees to have that choice. So I would start off with one company that you feel comfortable with uh, that gives you global equity exposure with or without some bond exposure. Um, and just start with that and get that to get that to a, have a milestone that where you want to get to that before you decide whether you want to use another fund group. 
Now, let's talk about fees. I have to say, Moira, I was really impressed that Henrietta is already so focused on fees, although she is finding it hard to compare the charges that the different platforms and trading apps all have. Now, why do investors need to look so carefully at this? And what tips would you both offer for comparing the different options? Well, the importance of fees and that whole dilemma around it is that um, even very, very tiny differences in fees, so I'm talking about half a percent or one percent a year. Which sounds might, tiny. It sounds tiny. Um, can actually add up into thousands and thousands of pounds um, by the time you reach retirement. So it could mean the difference between um, a comfortable retirement or a not so comfortable retirement. There are websites that do um, help you compare platform fees. One is Boring Money. Another is the imaginatively titled Compare Fund Platforms. And you can That's what it says on the tin. <laughs> and so you can mm. put your specific circumstances into these tools. And um, you know, so she's doing £200 a month and she wants to invest in passives, for example. And they will give you an indication of which platform or um, wealth manager is right for you or is suitable for you. And um, I have to say, though, because she's starting out with small amounts of money, she's probably going to be better off using a platform that um, charges a percentage fee to start off with. But once she's accumulated lots of money, <laughs> loads of money, um, she's reached one of those big milestones that um, Jason mentioned, um, she might consider uh, moving to a flat fee structure because um, that can benefit you. I'm talking about when she's reached about £30,000 plus, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if you're charging a f- if you're paying a flat fee every year, that can work out to your advantage once you reach that that, that level. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a minefield, but there are tools out there to help you reduce your fees. Oh, great tips there, Moira. And Jason, as somebody who's worked in the the past as a as a financial advisor, transferring stocks and shares ISAs to from one provider to another, um, like Moira was saying, your circumstances change. Another platform offers you a better deal. That's all very well and good. But how easy is it to transfer ISAs further down the line? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Compared to the 90s when I was starting out in my career, it was a nightmare. It was all bits of paper and nothing ever got, you know, constant phone calls. Now it's pretty slick. A good site is Moneyvator. Uh, they've got a great, great resource on all of the passive funds that you can use, including all the costs. And again, with the sites that Moira has just mentioned, brilliant. Well, well worth looking at. Oh, I didn't know about Money Vesa. I'll be having a look at that this weekend. Now, finally, I was really encouraged that Henrietta wants to learn more about the wider world of investing. Now, she might not feel confident enough now to target themes using active funds, investment trusts, or even buying individual shares, but she thinks that she might do in the future. Now, Jason, what tips would you offer anybody who is looking to learn more about investing and kind of back more of their instincts as they go to do it in a way that won't imperil their finances? Well, I don't know if they've watched them, but every week I send my daughters a Warren Buffett video. And this will typically be a short on YouTube of Warren Buffett dispensing some form of wisdom about investing and what the smart people do versus what the dumb people do. So Warren Buffett is a brilliant source. If you if you just bought all of his um, Berkshire Hathaway letters, there's a books that show you all of the letters he writes to his shareholders every year. If you just read those, one of those every week, 
and you watched a Warren Buffett video of some description, you would be doing, a, you, you'd find it easier to get into the, the real simplicity of investing in capitalism, which is really human endeavour and the ability for us to trade and innovate. What was the last Warren Buffett video that you sent to? Oh, your kids? you can never get ahead um, using credit cards. Uh, there's just no way you can get ahead ever in life by using credit cards and having 25, 30% interest. There's just no way you can build wealth because he said if you're investing and you've got debt, it's like having your foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time. Wow. Well, that's really good. Great recall as well. I like it. And Moira, what would your tips be for new investors who want to learn more um, about investing in a more active way once they get going? Well, I, I think there's great stuff in the personal finance pages of the newspapers. Certain particular pieces. Yes, a certain one. You might want to read that. Um, but, you know, I, I think all of the um, big investment platforms, we've mentioned Hargreaves, Lanson, AJ Bell, Interactive Investor, have educational uh, material there about investing. And you don't have to be a customer of them. And I think, you know, just, just um, you know, don't feel you have to really immerse yourself in it just learn in a natural way because we're all scarce of time um she's already learned about passives even if she only ever learned about passives she's going to be fine um i would say that to everybody passive investing fine global equity tracker you could use that for the rest of your investing career over 40 years and be perfectly fine and have made a sensible decision the key thing is to get into the right habit and always remember that investing is about reducing how much you're going to have to save because the markets over time, very long periods of time, will compensate you for the risks that are involved in investing. Well, a wealth of investing pointers there from our two experts, Moira O'Neill and Jason Butler. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, we've passed on all of their suggestions to Henrietta, who is so good at budgeting and saving that she's currently on holiday. (laughs) But if you're about to embark on your own investment journey, I do hope this episode has provided some inspiration. That's it for Money Clinic this week with me, Claire Barrett, and we hope that you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. We're always looking to chat with people about their money issues for the show, so if you're interested in being part of a future episode and are looking for some expert guidance, then email us. Our address is money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, me and Moira are in it most weeks, or follow us on Instagram. I am at Claire B, Moira is at Moira on Money, and Jason Butler is at JB the Wealth Man. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Manuela Saragossa. You heard original tunes this week by Metaphor Music. And finally, our usual disclaimer, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's all the small print for now. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.